Welcome, everyone, to the MetSpa Accelerator podcast brought to you by Cast Clinical Consulting and Everable Marketing, the go-to resource to learn the latest hacks and the best practices for marketing and growing a profitable medical aesthetics practice. I'm your host, Luis Trevino, and I'm joined today with our co-host, Cassie Craig. Welcome, everyone, to the 18th episode of the Mets Ball Accelerator podcast. I'm Luis Trevino, and I'm joined today with our co-host, Cassie Craig, and we have a very, very special guest with us today, Dr. Mike Wooming from San Diego from Executive Medical. He's a, 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 well, a doctor, first of all, but he's also an owner of this uh, Mets Ball in San Diego, but you've actually owned other businesses besides that. So, Dr. Mike, I'm going to let you take over. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, kind of like, you know, what kind of brought you to where you are today? Because you have you have a very, very interesting background where you work with some of the most well-known marketers uh, in uh, today's age. So I'll let you go ahead and talk about that. Well, well, first of all, thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, you know, I've listened to the podcast. I'm really... The, um, the information that you guys provide, first, I just want to give you guys kudos. Uh, it's some <laughs> awesome stuff, especially someone who's been, you know, working, you know, having a med spa and just trying to get information. It's very difficult to get out there. So I just want to give you guys kudos. Appreciate um, it. Yeah. Pretty much my story is, you know, I've been in practice for about 20 years. or I've been a, a physician for about 20 years. I went to school at... Uh, um, Wayne State in Detroit, uh, went to Mayo Clinic for family practice residency, and pretty much I was going to be just a you know, regular primary care physician. Um, but what I learned early on is I'm not really good by being employee you know, of, of someone else. And in medicine, you know, I come from a line of doctors, but I wasn't really, it wasn't really my thing. You know, I, I felt like I wasn't doing what I sought out when I first got into medical school. Um, I eventually left uh, a, my private practice for about five years. I actually went outside of medicine. Um, Louise, uh, you kind of know my story, but I went into uh, internet marketing and eventually ended up getting involved with some of the quote gurus who you may know, like guys like Frank Kern or Russell Brunson. I ran events way back when. And basically, I, I, my, one of my success stories is I started a small, small business software company that uh, eventually was able to do really well, eventually we were able to sell it. But being out of medicine for so long, um, I actually got a call or actually one of my, uh, I was involved in physician entrepreneurship and one of my students had notified me that if you're out of medicine for so long, if you don't see patients, they're, they're going to actually make you pay to go back to medical school or you might lose your license. And that was the last thing that I wanted to do. So I've never really lost my love for medicine. You know, I'm involved in healing and involved in helping other people, but I didn't like kind of the way the medicine was going on. I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of doctors out there, very disgruntled, very, um, you know, burnt out. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, exactly yeah. right there, Cassie. Um, but I wanted to say, you know, I'm entrepreneurial, but I want to do medicine that I would like to do. I've always been interested in integrative medicine um, you know, getting older, um, hormone therapy is something my wife and I have been, you know, delving into and understanding. And so I started um, a, uh, a integrative type practice, but on the techniques and actually the, the therapies that I was interested in. So things like hormone therapy, things like um, 
integrative medicine, and weight loss. Weight loss is something that I've personally struggled with. Those were the things that I was interested in. And I, you know, for my colleagues, they say, we do want to take insurance. And that was the biggest thing here in San Diego, which is a big managed care area. And, and many of my colleagues said you couldn't be able to do it. And, you know, for the first few years, I didn't think I was able to do it, right? Because I was hearing it, you know, software is one thing, starting up your own clinic was another thing there. Yeah. But I eventually, uh, you know, you know, worked my butt off on there and they started to keep growing it. And then, um, interestingly, how I got into uh, the med spa part of it was one of my nurses had an aesthetics background and, she, you know, she wanted to do things like chemical peels. We started off with chemical peels. And then we ended up, uh, you know, taking the Botox and filler training. And uh, I ended up finding my physician's assistant by going to one of these courses of all things. And then she, she lived here in San Diego and she wanted to do something part-time. And one of the things that I learned on is when you have people who have talent and have strengths, you really kind of focus on and really putting them in an environment where they can really, you know, go for it. And she actually, you know, she actually helped us build our, uh, our med spa area. We found that we had a, um, I had a very small clinic, but in my compound, there was another area that was open that we actually turned into a, uh, a med spa area. And then we started doing, um, you know, Botox fillers. We got into PRP, uh, haven't hit cool, cool sculpting just yet. I've talked to Luis about this <laughs> so far, uh, but we've got into the things that what I realized is that patients, for example, we had patients who, you know, were losing weight and when they want to lose weight, they want to, you know, look at to other ways that they can feel good. And they were, yeah. you know, they were, they were getting their aesthetics done somewhere else. And I'm saying, well, why don't we just bring that into our clinic? So kind of a one-stop shop. And that's how we, we kind of grew from there and, I think one of the things that I learned was, you know, it's not just my personal areas that I'm interested in, but my patients, you know, where are they going for other, um, other therapies and other treatments? So we just started bringing that in. And uh, now I've gotten to the point where um, I've learned to not work on my business, you know, not work in my business, but on my business. So yeah. being able to scale back. And I'm sure that for many, many spa owners, you know, that's kind of, what we, what we aim for is to, you know, take, take a step back and to really kind of grow it. So I'm always, you know, it's my serial entrepreneurial. I'm always looking what's my next adventure. Not that I don't know what I do in my clinic, but you know, what is my, my next growth? And, and that's kind of my story in a nutshell. Sorry yeah. to ramble on guys. <laughs> oh no, you're fine. Yeah. I, I identify on many, many levels. Um, one thing I, I want to pull out and something that I, I kind of struggle with, you know, in the med spa, we have such a complex opportunity with so many of these little opportunities and, and different niches and audiences that we can go after. What's your advice on how to choose what my next, or how about back it up if, and when, to add on new services and then how do I choose what's the next investment my company should make? Is it, um, you know, and then what market are we talking? So uh, I, I heard you kind of touch on talking to your patients and finding opportunities to bring in one-stop shop kind of atmosphere, but there's so many opportunities um, in aesthetics. You know, there's a new sales rep showing up every day in the lobby with some new technology. So what's your, your advice there? Uh, yeah, my first advice, don't let them in your lobby. <laughs> um, and, and really what it is, is I listen to not only patients, but my staff. 
So currently I have uh, uh, two nurse practitioners and one physician's assistant in terms of our staff. Uh, I mentioned that you know one of my nurses has an aesthetics background. Uh, one, or, one, one of my nurses is really involved in, uh, really wants to do more med spa. So she's bringing in, you know, uh, you know, the dermal lighting, all these other treatments. And really what it comes down to, obviously, you got to see what is, what's the profitability, you know, that obviously is going to, you know, you have to look at. But more importantly, are these services that patients are going elsewhere for? You know, are they going else for their cold sculpting? Um, you know, for example, one of the, one of the, the uh, treatments that we wanted to do was hair restoration. And I really was really interested in it for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things I looked at was, were my patients, is this something that they were, were interested in? And to be honest, I really go slow when I start something. Mm-hmm. Um, with a medical background, I obviously got to see, obviously, if it's effective. Right. You know, so for the treatments myself, I, you know, I have myself go through it or my staff go through it, you know, and if it's something that I'm not seeing is really connecting, I'm not seeing really improvement on there. I mean, they're going to get more education on it, or I might put that on kind of on the back burner. Um, so I look at education for not only myself, obviously we want to make sure it works, but are my patients are actually, are they going for these services elsewhere? And if not, why can't we bring these? Right. Your opportunity. Um, I, I think would it be interesting, uh, you know, my business is only about three years old and mm-hmm. um, I've been in the med spa industry for that long, but I come from health clubs right. and I used to take, and I haven't gotten to the point where I can do this yet. My, you know, I built a second location in that, in that first three years, but I'm thinking about now as I look at budgeting, kind of taking some of the gross revenue and budgeting a percentage to new technologies and maybe, you know, sitting down, like reverse engineering this because like a cool sculpting machine, you're going to easily spend $125,000. So to choose that over the strawberries laser is, you know, a lot of what you're talking about, like talking to staff and patients and all of that. But, but maybe if you knew at the beginning of each year, okay, I have this much budget or, you know, 5% of everything is going to go into the newest, because we're always going to be faced with new latest, greatest technologies and, right, and right. procedures. And so I think it does need to kind of be systemized. And I'm talking out loud for my own business, you know, like systemized so that I don't, I'm an impulsive spender. So I, you know, love to go shopping, especially with scientific stuff, <laughs> so kind of putting the, you know, the uh, governor on that too. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. And I, I think that, you know, if you have the money to do it, if you, you know, you've had a good year and you've got some money that you can kind of allocate it to it, then definitely you want to explore it. You know, I'm, I like to do competitive research. So I'll see and, you know, I'll hear what's going on with the clinics. Um, I have my own clinic, but I'm also the director of a few other um, not necessarily med spas, but other clinics where they do other things such as stem cells and Mm -hmm. integrative type medicine. So oftentimes they might be doing tattoo removal and I'm saying, Hey, you know, Hey, what's going on? You know, what are you, what are you finding? What's actually kind of working for you? Where are you you struggling with? If you have those connections, I'd rather have somebody else who who did it already. And they've kind of gone through the pain process. Mm -hmm. What I I see often, especially with doctors is, is we like to spend the latest and greatest, but Mm -hmm. we may not often have the money to do it. So they end up, you know, they're getting loans for doing this. And I said, 
guys, you know, make your money first on the things that are already working for you. Right. And then if you've got money to do it, then you can go and, and spend. So. That's what I was trying to kind of bring out of you because I yeah. work with people a lot and they're always looking for, you know, oh, I'm going to, what their competitors are offering. And often I see kind of this staff of, and it's got just so much complexity that nobody's really great at anything. And so specialty is important in our, in our market, you know, somebody being specialized, being the best, because that's what our consumers are looking for. I was reading Facebook posts and it was like a friend of a friend that commented under something. I was like, you know, right, right, right. conversation, but somebody said where, um, I was out at the club on Saturday night and somebody asked me where I got my cheap and she was bragging about her natural bone structure, but this is the real conversation that's going on socially, you know, is where did you get the, your right. aesthetics thing? So specializing in something is so important and really, you know, like finding that thing and then branching off and specializing in the next. But I think as a team, it's important, um, especially if you have a large, larger staff, which many, you know, have four or five right, right. on staff. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's kind of the, the questions that when we're looking at the cool sculpting and also, as well as also looking at the other, quote, sculpting machines is, mm -hmm. you know, we'll ask, you know, our patients and I'll ask my office manager, hey, what are they talking about? And they're just saying, cool sculpting, cool sculpting, cool right. sculpting. I go, well, you know, there's other types of sculpting. But the thing is, it's not the brand it's not is rated, not being, right. being heard, and you know we're 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 seeing that is like yeah they just want cool sculpting. I mean, they might not I know what it is, but that's what the friends are talking like about. Everybody, <laughs> I think everybody entrepreneurially wishes that they were at the beginning of the cool sculpting trend, and now we're kind of you know like like the market's very saturated with cool sculpting machines. So it's like everybody wishes that they were in at the beginning, and then what they want to get in on that next thing. Like, what's the next? Right. Thing? Take right, 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 right. Sculpting, but it's not your dollars you want to you want to risk out there. Like, exactly. <laughs> being there, like if you see something growing, then maybe investing in it, like you're saying. But I have a lot of, um, and I doctors love, love, love science. So the next cool science that comes out, but our patients don't care that much. Are they? No. You know, they're not there on that conversation. They're yeah. trending. Um, so. so, so this is interesting because I was having a conversation with uh, with a client. They were kind of talking about what my thoughts were in getting like a new technology, right? One of the new sculpting technologies that that's like kind of like you know picking up picking up some steam right now and some traction. Uh, but like for me, it's like man, like don't always you know it's always like that shiny object syndrome. You you always want to go after yeah. that next big thing, right? But then but the part of the conversation was like, okay, well let's let, i mean if we are going to do it then let's plan let's plan for it right and then let's create systems around it you know because yes one thing's getting the machine but then we're going to have another like situation and this this would happen this would kind of build my business and in, in the you know a few years ago where it was like all these people bought these you know hundred thousand dollar machines and then they thought they're gonna get an influx of patients just because they had it but right. you didn't, you know what I mean? It's not the field of dreams, right? Right, right, right. You know what I mean? But like there was huge demand because they spent all this money and now they need to recuperate it and make money off of that machine. Right. So it's like part In of the desperation is, mode. Yes. Yeah, like, well, what is your marketing plan around that machine? Right. right. What is, you know, what is the, is there demand for it? And then what is, so I, I mean, I'm always looking at two things, right? Obviously because I'm, I'm, I do marketing. I'm looking at, well, how can we position and market this, this, technology but then two it's not just marketing it's also sales like right it's like i can bring you people but if you can't close them then what's the point right so it's like build us a good system internally where you 
like the person, you know, whether it's the owner or if this, uh, the staff members like have a really solid system for getting people to make this purchase. Right. And if we don't, then we should, we should kind of look at maybe focusing on that first and then getting the, and get, then getting the technology, you know, right. I don't know. That's, yeah. that's my opinion. Well, you find the holes in the boat, you know? And so yeah. you can jump on the board and, and be, and honestly you can, like using cool sculpting as an example, the more saturated the market, the more knowledgeable the consumer and more people are looking for it. And so it's really not like so important to have the first cool sculpting machine in the market. It's important yeah. to be the business that can support volume and can support, you know, um, long-term business and, and reputation and all of that. And so you're absolutely right. Um, yeah. I, I think that, you know, I was in the health club business and I, where I started was up in rural Georgia. So it was very small towns and, um, people, I remember going in to get my business license and I was young. And, um, I remember the commissioner talking to me for a minute and kind of looking at me with pity, like, you know, there's already 10 gyms in this town and yeah. this is so cute. And so when I killed it, I was very proud, but it's the same thing with any market. It's like go in with passion and commitment to your service and product and, and then, sales even, you know, don't matter so much over time. Like you can, if, if you're giving 10 X value and, um, hitting home runs with customer service, then you're good to go. Right, right, right. And you're going to get loyal patients and they're going to follow you wherever you go, wherever you go, wherever treatments you're going to do. Yep. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. gonna they stop price shopping. They stop yeah. saying, I have to talk to my husband. All of that stuff disappears. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's really good. I mean, definitely like looking at the back end of a business, right? It's like, well, you know, I think like in Cassie, you and I were having this conversation just yesterday. It was like, you know, I think we, we, you know, we, we do a great job of our front end getting new people in the door, but it's like, how do we also keep, keep the people that we already paid to, to get in the, it, through the doors. Right. And right. so I think that's another big thing that we need to look at definitely when we're looking at growing our business as a Absolutely. whole. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it's the whole customer journey. It's the, yeah. you know, like, like my own business, what we were talking about, our strength is getting people who don't know us to come in. And so we really want to work internally. And that's really the harder part, you know, like the yeah. customer nurturing and just being consistent with emails and blogs and newsletters or whatever it is that your company does is also very important because that retention can be more valuable. In fact, we were talking this morning about, um, we do a, a 90 day training program in my company for mm. sales before somebody can be released to do sales and services by themselves. When we're talking about cool sculpting and medical grade services. And so this, yeah, just asked all of her stuff and she was released last night to her first consultation and she closed a $9,600 sale that's for awesome. cool sculpting. <laughs> and so that's great. Like that's sales right there. And yeah. so, you know, keeping that person coming for the smaller stuff is also important though. And even if you meet a customer for a $25 bottle of cleanser or whatever the purpose, they all can be treated in such a way that they escalate and stay in that, you know, that journey, the whole journey is important is what I'm saying. Definitely. De yeah. Most definitely. Yeah. Good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, guys. So, um, you know, when I, when, I was, when I was thinking about bringing uh, Dr. Mike on, one of the things that I wanted him to touch on was his experience in transitioning from being a physician, which I feel like a lot of our audience, right, just this market in general, right, a lot of people have like a similar background where they came, they got their degree, right, they, they got their MD, they started practicing medicine, and for the most part, they're trading their time for money 
right? You know, they can't really go beyond that. And I mean, me from actually talking to a lot of Mets balls and Cassia as well, it's like one of the biggest problems that we see in today's market is that it's hard to actually be the business owner, right? Like you said, like working on the business versus working in the business and making that transition can be very difficult for somebody who maybe hasn't specifically spent the time training on like best business practices and different things like that. And so I would love to hear your take on this because you actually went through it. Like you were a doctor, you transitioned to learning a lot about marketing where even where you, you know, you started, you know, you got to network with some of the most, uh, you know, influential gurus in the market space right now, but then now you still have your Mets ball, but you only work, how many hours a week do you work right now in your Mets ball? Well, I mean, I work, don't get me wrong, but actually seeing patients is about 10 to 12 hours a week. Yeah. Yeah. So and then, and then we're all working, right, Cassie? I mean, we're all working. <laughs> yeah, you're always working, right? But you're working, in, like you're working on your business. You're not working. Right. In but you right. know, I mean, the flexibilities that I think everybody got yeah. into business for themselves for, like I've been not, like my physical health has not been great lately. To have the flexibility to cancel all of my yeah. stuff for a few days to recover from something is what we're all in this for. So yeah, like same thing. Like I work and I probably am working subconsciously even when I'm not working all the right. time because I love what I do and I'm passionate for it. And I'm always looking for the next best way to service people, right? But um, but yeah, to be held to 10 to 12 hours a week is wonderful, please. And you know what? I'm kind of in that transition. Like I, mm -hmm. you know, you know how kids, when they get their big teeth, they look kind yeah. of for a few you know until they grow into it i feel like i'm that like awkward fourth grader yeah like you're going through the <laughs> growing pains i think yeah i think so you know yeah i'm not in your type of business but i'm in that same i mean it's all the same right. businesses all function the same so i'm in that transition too right, yeah, right share right. some experience strength and hope on that one <laughs> yeah so uh but yeah it, it, and let me tell you, it didn't, it didn't take me, you know, starting day one, that I was working 10 to 12 hours a week. You know, our clinic, um, we're celebrating our eighth year. Yeah, this is our eighth year uh, that, that we've been in business. But, you know, at the beginning, I was seeing every patient. I was doing every follow-up. You know, I was working, you know, 50 plus hours, maybe 35 hours seeing patients there. Um, but then eventually what I found out is, you know, when you hire someone and, you know, it's very difficult, you know, especially when you're starting out, you're not making a lot of money to make that first hire. Obviously you're going to have some that you're going to need to have. And, you know, I, in my business, I'm going to need to have a nurse, I need to have an office manager, I need to have some medical assistance. But then when I wanted to transition into actually hiring a provider, which is usually the most expensive in terms of an employee, you know, my nurse practitioner, my physician's assistant, I really focused on, what I was interested in, like I personally like to do and, and other things that I like to do. So don't get me wrong. I don't want to make any judgments here, but you know, I like aesthetics, but it's not my kind of calling. It's not my, there's an art to doing dermal fillers that my nurse practitioner who's had years of training doing this will do a better job than I will, you know, on this. So I let them focus on what they wanted to do. And right. um, there were certain, you know, Treatments that I enjoy, like I do like, I like doing hormone treatments. I like covering the medical weight loss aspect of it, but I don't personally need to be there all the time. And that's why I built my business as more of a lifestyle um, type business. I wanted it to, so that, you know, eventually for, you know, the end goal of a business is, you know, of course you want your business to run, but your end goal is actually to sell that business, you know? Um, I mean, that's where eventually you're going to go to. Uh, and I've got kids, they're older. Um, 
you know, they're 19 and 21. I want them to kind of have an asset to grow to. And, and um, Cassie, as you explained, you had, you're having your second location. And I look at doing a second and third location. But then I sit back and say, you know what? I still like that 10 to 12 hours a week that I'm doing. Right. Because I know once I've got to build another business, then, you know. There's so the people, growth spurt. There's right. the growth. You know, and I've got my staff, you know, go to this more affluent area in San Diego. We're going to, you know, we're going to kill it here. And then, yeah, but, you know, we're still doing okay. And, and you know, and I'm, I'm involved in other aspects of my business. I was starting up a, a medical marketing company that I used to run, and I kind of want to go into that type of business. And who knows, I might open a second location. But, you know, for right now, I kind of like where I am uh, in there. But it takes, you've got to get over that, I think it's always that first hire, you know, that, that one hire that's going to kind of replace you. Um, and I see physicians struggle with this a lot, you know, you know, they want to do every procedure they want to, and they kind of have like control issues. Uh, and well, you know, I, I, yeah. go ahead. I was going to say for my own business, I always start out by doing, doing the job at least short term myself, even if it's only yeah. a couple of days so I can define it, define like pay myself what it's going to pay. And that way I can feel it. And, right. if, and it's kind of like my, um, my rip cord, right? Like, uh, if for some reason I feel some sort of strain financially or whatever. And I feel like, you know what, then I can take my own paycheck away. And, and then if I get comfortable and everything's comfortable, I can hire somebody that'll fit that position really well. So, you know, it, it becomes difficult for me because like I can't do the physician's job. And so that's where you need, you know, everybody in on, on it. But um, I, I, I feel you when you open the next location or when you do the next thing, you're yeah. going to have two or three jobs for a minute. You just can't help it. And nobody's going to fluidity and be able to transition or take on whatever challenges, whatever's, you know, batted into your court like you will. So that, but you know, the more I do it, the more I know that each time I do that, like the second location, it's going to be, you know, six to 12 weeks of me working overtime. And then I can yeah. go back and we'll find all the problems and fix them. And, just kind of going into it, understanding that with growth comes growth pains, you know. Right, right. And, and, and you know, eventually, you know, it's good to help your bottom line by having that second or third location. Yeah. Um, but it really comes down to, you know, I'm, I am really lucky that I have an awesome staff. Um, you know, I have a staff that pretty much has been around me for nearly seven years. It's been there. I haven't had much, much turnover. And I think one of the things that I think is my kind of skill set or superpower is I really empower them. You know, I really want them to pursue something like, you know, if they see, for example, one of my nurses, she wanted to do a weight loss challenge for January. I say, cool, just take it over. I'll help you. I will, I will support you, whatever you need to do that. But I want you to, to have something. I think at the end, we want our employees to kind of feel that they have, you know, a higher purpose. Yeah. A higher purpose. Um, all within reason, you know, all, all within reason. Like <laughs> connecting with the mission, like right, being on the right. same path with somebody else and kind of like joining forces together yeah. to, because obviously with two people and two brains on anything, you're yeah, going to get yeah. better results. So right, right, right. absolutely. Not, What's one tip you can give to me and to our audience <laughs> on, um, on empowering your staff? Like, is there an exercise or anything that you do at a monthly meeting or is there anything you can pass along? that can help us empower our staffs? You know, it's nothing really, really groundbreaking. We, we try to do a, a meeting at least every couple of weeks on there. And every so often I'm saying, you know, 
is there anything here in the clinic, and I, I phrase it a bit differently, so it might be a little bit awkward saying it, but you know, is there anything in the clinic that you think that we could do better? Is there anything that we could, that you see, you know, whether it's from the patients, whether it's just from the flow of how the patients come in and I kind of leave it, leave it open, you know, to them. And um, I'm not, again, I'm not going to make any stereotypes, but I'm the only guy out of nine females that I work with. And uh, they are very open to telling me what, if there's something that's wrong that we could, we could do better. Yeah. If there's a if there's a new uh, treatment out there that our you know patients have been asking for or that we're seeing, if we're having some you know a disconnect, you know just just yesterday we found out our Saturdays is our busiest day, but we are really getting slow because we're not we don't have many people working on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. So you know that's something that I need to 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 know about because we're going to end up getting complaints if it, right. you know, if we're not going to get that, and before that even happens. You know, maybe we'll need to hire somebody, you know, to, to do that. Do you know, so simple things like that. I leave it open. and It's majorly it's- comforting. My husband is our medical director and the physician okay. on staff. And um, and he's often our injector, but we do have other injectors. But anyway, it's, it's really comforting to have a scientist who is grounded and down to earth and can have a conversation about the way that I, – I know this as, as working underneath him, right? Like, yeah. If the doctor is um, kind of open and open-minded and willing to change and can provide answers in layman's terms, you know, it's a comfortable scenario, um, then it's super comforting for me as like an esthetician, say, when I have clinical uh, questions or whatever, to know that I can go directly to the doctor. I think people feel that way too about owners, kind of open-door policy. And I think this um, is a great point uh, in the point that I make a lot about having kind of like, like my relationship with my staff as the owner is similar. Like I can take them and their questions or concerns and we can talk and uh, kind of brainstorm together and all of that. But I don't manage their schedules and their, you know, the, the rules around. So having kind of that go between to direct that I have a, a spa director to handle, you know, if they're late, I find I'm a bad boss for the same reason that I'm a good right, 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 right. <laughs> So, uh, But I want to say that because I know when I go to him and I can get like, um, you know, comfort clinically or direction when you don't know which way to go, when the person in charge is easy to talk to, that makes for a, a great motivator, I think. Oh, yeah. Like Michelle is our office manager and she's awesome. And she, you know, if somebody's late, that's the person to go to. You don't have to go to me. <laughs> Oh, back up. Yeah, no, because that's not my skill set. But you know, her skill set is is managing the team and there. Uh, but you know, you, you really you really make it a good point. Is it really comes down to you know the systems that you put in place, the protocols that you put in place? Because ultimately, if they do something wrong, sure, you're gonna you're going to look at that, but maybe it was the systems that you put in place, the protocols that you did, maybe they didn't know and that's why they did right. it. So ultimately it ends up on you. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, I, unfortunately I do see it often, you know, um, with supervising doctors who might maybe just, they're kind of like a figurehead. They're not really getting involved. And I really try to emphasize, you have to get involved because ultimately it is your license kind of on the line. Right. And if you're thinking, Oh, you know, this is an easy way of making money, you know, we've all seen some bad outcomes happen because the supervising doctor wasn't involved yeah. in their med spa. So uh, for med spa owners, anything you can do to kind of help your, your doctor in there and say, you know, this is, it's important for you. 
you know, that, that you be a part of this and, you know, something, yep. either said than done, but you know, something that you want to strive for. Yeah. No, no it's I, true. And it, well, it helps business. I think, you know, for that same reason, helps yeah. Oh, yeah. the whole business. Uh, yeah. It motivates your staff. Yeah. It helps everybody. I, I think the, the thing that kind of stood out the most and that I've seen kind of a lot of people struggle with is that, you know, being okay with l- giving control, you know, like to the other staff members and then empowering them. Right. Cause at the end of the day, it's like, that's going to be the only way that you can really build a business because you're doing work through others. Right. And so uh, I, I was listening to a really good podcast that I kind of subscribe to. It talks all about business operations and stuff. And, uh, you know, you say like when you grow a business, you go, there's like, I think there's three phases. I can't remember the second one, but the first one is you outsource tasks, right? So you build a system to say, hey, do this, do that, you know, and it's like real like task skill type of things, right? And then I can't remember what the second one was, but then the, the third one is like you, you, you outsource success or, or, or even outcomes. So it's like where you get to a point where you say, where you tell someone, Hey, I need you to get me this result. You know what I mean? Right. So right. In, in order for them to actually get there, then they need to have that empowerment, but also they, you know, you obviously need, they need to have that trust with you and all that stuff and the skill level to actually get that done. So I think it really goes back down to also to the people that you hire and make it a good hire early on because I think I think all of us experience it where it's like, hey, somebody was just that's just not the ideal, you know, person to be doing this type of work or they don't have the work ethic to be take responsibility of that empowerment that I want to hand over to them. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yes, personality tests are huge. Uh I use the DIS uh disc. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. there's um, there's a very simple one that I like. It's called 16personalities.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I have them take it on multiple occasions just to see you know, oh, yeah. multiple personalities. <laughs> in there. I've seen some interesting ones. I had one of my employees come out with like cute, like the high dominant, but then also like high cautious. And I'm like, usually those two are like opposites, but they came out really high on that one. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, I, you, yeah, just a quick one. I haven't used personality tests, but I definitely see the strength of it. Yeah. One of the things that, that I love is when I interview, I have the person we interview, they actually get to talk with the other staff. Mm-hmm. They actually have some interaction because yeah. I found out where I say, hey, you know, I think this is a good hire. And then my PA will say, I don't like her. <laughs> right. <laughs> I go, okay, right. now right. I know. And, I, and then she'll tell me why. She, she'll say, you know, you can see how she's already condescending to some of the staff. And I yeah. say, when, you, I, when somebody interviews here, I go, it's not only just for me, it's to make sure that the whole, you know. Yeah, that's a really good point. Really good point. Our good. third interview is an audition. We call it yeah. an audition. And so it's a, usually a two to four hour working interview um, where they'll probably do a facial if it's an esthetician on one of the Oh, that's great. All of that, but kind of see how they work with the crew. Because everybody does well on an interview. And at this right. point, anybody can do well on a resume, you know? So right. you don't have much to go by. I've found that I'm a bad hirer because <laughs> my empathy, but like I, it's the reason I'm a great salesperson is because I have this great empathy for people, but I also just have this great empathy and want to hire people and help them. And that often doesn't turn out well. So I have somebody who's a little bit more objective thinking yeah. um, to do my hires and fires. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, you definitely outsource your fires, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm with it. Yeah, by text, right? No. <laughs> yeah, that's what my office manager's for. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, awesome, guys. Uh, let's bring this, uh, we're kind of here at a close here, but. Um, Thanks, Doc. Uh, 
Thanks, Cassie. Uh, <laughs> well, Dr. Miami, was there anything else that, you know, that you want to leave our audience with? Anything else that you would recommend um, in regards to just running, running a, a Mets ball? Anything you want to leave us with? Well, I just want to say, you know, one thing that I want to say to you guys is we did, we did talk about the marketing. Um, and I do enjoy like doing my own online marketing, but it's something that I need to kind of get away from you know i think using a service that you know what, what you guys are doing and helping marketing is and especially when you're in the trenches you know of it yeah. you know i see a lot of times when uh doctors are trying to do their their own marketing and if you know be honest we don't know what we're doing <laughs> be honest <laughs> when you're looking to find an agency that you want to work with you want to find someone who actually excels uh, at that particular, you know, niche. I think I brought it to you, Luis. We were at a, a mastermind uh, meeting uh, a few weeks ago, and I said, when you're looking for an agency, you just want them to specialize in whatever they need to, to specialize in. You don't want to have like a general marketing agency. You know, when you're looking for someone for, you know, clinics, you need to find someone to do clinic marketing. You want to find someone to do med spas. You want someone who excels in med spa marketing, but understands the everything about it because i've seen too many marketing agencies to try to do cookie cutter stuff and it and it never works out so ask for case studies ask for case studies. <laughs> yeah ask me for case studies guys ask Louise for yes. case studies. Yeah. no but um, I, it's such a good point and i want to emphasize it by saying that just like we ask our our consumers to seek out specialists in the industry seek out specialists in the industries that you have to do business with. It's the, and you know, often with a little bit of research and the right questions, I think that's the biggest thing is um, like, as especially physicians, I always look at my husband's position. Like he's working with patients all the time. He doesn't know what questions to ask, but case studies are important. Um, portfolios, um, you know, ask about, you know, it's something that I love that uh, Luis does is, is, a plan like a long-term plan like what like get a campaign started but talk with your marketing people about what's a quarterly plan an annual plan what are goals set these things anyway i'll stop that's my soapbox but specialize <laughs> they you need someone who specializes in the market that you want to market for awesome for sure. awesome for sure. well, thank you guys thank you guys so much <laughs> really appreciate it uh dr mike if anybody uh, you you have a group right you have a, an online group of other mm -hmm. doctors and you guys have a, like a community where you guys share ideas stuff like that if people want to learn more about you and you actually help keep like like other meds ball owners right like or doctors you, you coach them yeah primarily especially if, if you're a doctor and you're looking to start up your med spa um yeah. i have a site called paradisepractice.com we focus on all cash-based medical practices not just med spas but okay, i know yeah. a lot of doctors um who are like looking to do start or maybe you have your own clinic but you know maybe i want to do botox and aesthetics on the side mm -hmm. uh, we can help you and see how carve that out for you where you could start working on you know, tech strategies and treatments and things that you like, uh, and really, right, it comes down to right now in, in, in the in this climate, it's all insurance based, and the only way that we're going to get out of it is to add more cash based services. It's going to help the bottom line. So, if they're interested, they can go to paradisepractice.com, and and you can find case studies and things like there that <laughs> on, on the website so you can find right. that more information. Awesome, awesome. All right, well, thank you so much, guys. Um, real quick.
for cool sculpting. So, and that's yeah. not, we're not price dropping or anything like that. That's never going below $500 a cycle. Um, yeah. So, so that's what I was going to say, because like a lot of the times, like you, you as the owner are really good, but your staff isn't as good. And you want to get to that point. Like, obviously you want to build a team, right? You want to get to the point where you're stepping back. You're not doing those consultations. So send your girls to Cassie and she'll definitely help and you. Guys, and guys, guys that want to yeah. as well. But no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. Like typically a practice has somebody who's good at sales and often it's the practice owner. And so if yeah. you ever want to step out of that role, then you need a systemized and structured sales approach. And so that's what I can give. And, and again, it's easy, simple to remember and learn. And, um, and we have, we have all stars come out of that. So and Cassie has really good case studies too. Yes, I do. I do. Case studies. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, thank you everyone. Thanks for joining us this week. Make sure to visit us on iTunes, Spotify, every other podcasting platform out there. Leave us a review. And if you have any questions, then feel free to reach out. Um, and well, I guess we'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye.